Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. Today's episode is about how to create real change when we want to. It is about our health and our lifestyle. And now before you tune out, because it's been done a million times, let me tell you what is different. I'm interviewing Danielle Dinkelman today, and she was referred to me by a fellow podcast host. And the reason that I picked up on this was that I really liked the idea of intentionally creating a healthy lifestyle, but everyone has done this angle. So what was different about this? I took a look at her book. It's called, If Diets Don't Work, What Does? And she sent me a copy so I could read through the whole thing. And this was a really interesting time to do this too, because coming out of COVID, I had been sitting around doing a lot of Zoom meetings and the keyword there is sitting around. And so I, I probably gained 15 pounds this year, but there are a couple of things that I know about myself. And the first is that I have never been able to diet. I'm not even a, I'm not even like prone to the diet culture thing because I just don't. I've never owned a scale. If I tell myself that I can't have food, I know that I will eat three or four times more of that food simply because I told myself I couldn't have it. There's probably psychological issues there, but it's completely unrealistic for me to even pretend that I'm going to go on a diet. So I know that. I also know that I have to manage who I am and not try to willpower my way into anything. I've also had a hard time getting myself to go to the gym lately, so I can put it on my calendar all I want, I can set a goal, and that's, it's just not working for me. So what did Danielle Dinkelman have to say that hadn't been said before and that it would actually be useful? So she sends me her book. I read it because I'm feeling a little desperate to get back into my really cool hiking shorts that I only had for one season before COVID hit. And I read it to see if it would be worthy of my audience, if it would have any tips that might help me. And all I can say, people, is stay tuned for a couple of really strong ideas that are going to work for everyone, even me. Danielle is in the house. Stories are our lives in language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with in making your stories work for you. Story power serves you best when you know how to use it. Danielle, first things first, tell us your story. What happened in your life to bring you to this place of coaching people into living this healthy life they want? Yeah. Hi, Lori. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I love your work and I'm so happy to be hanging out with you today. Thank you. Yeah. So I always have a really hard time with that question of what led me to coaching, what led me to writing this book, because to me, it's, it's like a breadcrumb trail of many stories that all wove together. But one that comes to mind and one that I do share in the book that, that was a big turning point in my life was the, the loss of a baby. I have four little kids living right now, but um, after my first child, I had um, a baby girl that was full term but she was stillborn. So I like to say I have four children and one in heaven. <laughs> I'm sorry about that loss. Thank you. 
it's um, something that you live with for the rest of your life. At that moment, at that time, I had never really experienced anything hard, <laughs> like nothing compared in my life up to that point of, of going through that grief. And, you know, when we talk about health and wellness, I never really had to think about it. I never really had to think, what do I need to do to take good care of myself or so that I can feel better? Like I never had a problem with health or with wellness, but here, you know, I, I had a little, not even two-year-old little boy. And then I suddenly lost this pregnancy and this baby and she was full term. We, we delivered her, we buried her and it was devastating to, to have that disappointment happen. And I was extremely angry and disillusioned and I became completely reclusive. I did not leave my house for months and it just became this huge weight to bear. Right. And I didn't know what to do with it. I was also suffering from some, um, car accident injuries in my neck and shoulders. And so I'd been seeing a massage therapist for a while and she continued to see me through this grieving process as well. And so not only was she helping me with some physical things I was facing, but she was very aware of the grief that I was experiencing too. And, and when, at one point she said, you know, Daniel, if you're going to get better emotionally, and if you're going to get better physically, you've got to be doing some things like after you leave my office, you need to have some habits and routines some things that you do that take better care of you. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? <laughs> and she, that's when she brought up yoga. And that's when she, we talked about running and I had never had any interest in either of those things. I had never had an exercise routine to speak of. I'd never needed one. So I thought, so I, I went with it and Oh, the weight that was lifted by having a physical outlet for things that I could not do anything else about, like this grief that I was carrying to run, <laughs> to literally run it out was so therapeutic. So I, you know, when people, you know, people that aren't runners that kind of roll your eyes, they, they roll their eyes at you when you tell them that you're a runner and they say, oh, I can never do that. But for me, I say, you know, I didn't do it because I loved running. I did it because I needed, I needed grief therapy. That was my grief therapy. So that was one of the stories that really kind of led me to where I am now. You know, I understand that with, I don't run, but I bike. And when my kids were young, I remember sometimes I would just be to that, you know, mom point of, ah, and I would, you know, make arrangements, take an hour, go out and, you know, put in 15 miles and come back after pushing really hard for 15 miles. And I had just worked it out in my system and it, you know, it just made a huge difference. That physical and emotional and mental tie between all of our energies mm -hmm. is incredibly real. So yeah. I think acknowledging that through your story is, it's beautiful and, and really pointed. Yeah, it's powerful. It's a powerful overlap. And, you know, it's kind of an, unexpected story to lead into becoming a health coach, but that really was one of the main kickoff points of my own wellness journey. And from there, I started exploring a lot of different things around like mindset work and um, energy work even too, and, and addressing some limiting beliefs that maybe I wasn't aware of. It just opened this whole world. Meanwhile, I was also recovering from an auto accident injury, like I mentioned, and that had happened 
um, in 2006 and I, we lost our baby girl in 2010. So I had been carrying that literal weight as well, this pain, um, and chronic, chronic headaches. And that also invited me to start paying more attention to my body. Right. And I, I like, book, I, I like the verb invited. Yes. <laughs> Nicely put. It was a strong invitation. Well, you can always ignore it. Right. And I mean, I talk with people every day in my health and wellness coaching practice that they share with me. I, I was just on the phone with, with a new person today. And she said, 30 years, I have ignored my body. You, you can ignore it a good long while. And, and that can be your choice. And that will be part of your story. <laughs> yeah. So we, we can take those invitations if we want. I like that. So you're a national board certified health and wellness coach. And I think part of that, or one of the things that is lovely about the way you do it is that it's a lifestyle approach to health. So let's talk about lifestyle for a minute. You say in the book, lifestyle is a journey you enjoy. Mm -hmm. So my first question to you is, how do we create an everyday healthy lifestyle that we will enjoy? One that doesn't seem like deprivation and a a daily date with self-control and denial. How do we do that? Beautifully said. Yes, that is... That's what diet culture wants us to do, right? Is to kind of stay miserable and stay needing the next diet, right? It's a, it's a self, it's a self-propagating system. It just Um, happens to turn out that way. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately. So yeah. How do we get out of that? How do we get off that hamster wheel to make it enjoyable? It really is. It's to me, it's the difference between like loving yourself into better health or hating yourself Mm. into different. So, you know, what do you feel like doing? What do, what sounds fun? What, what is your body kind of asking you for, you know? And so these are kind of some self-reflective, like intuitive questions that people are really uncomfortable with sometimes (laughs) because we're more used to in the health and wellness space. Well, here's this expert, here's this guru, here's this doctor. Okay. They're going to tell me the answer. They're going to give me the formula X, Y, Z, And that will give me this result. It is not that simple. It is so individual. And so if we can actually focus on enjoying those steps and and look at it as steps. I have this beautiful picture that I love to use. It's this really slow sloping staircase with a turtle on it. (laughs) And I love that image. That That is how you create a lifestyle. It's one little step at a time. And it's okay to go layer by layer by layer. It's like building a home we've got to pour the foundation and then we've got to frame it and then, you know, step by step by step. And yet diet culture wants us to just jump on the bandwagon. You're either on or you're off right now. What's your choice? And this is one of the things that I was, as I was reading your book, I'm thinking this is very different from, you know, from the other things of you're, you're giving some, you're given a list, let's say Weight Watchers, right? Not to pick on them, but it's just an easy go-to where you've got certain things you can eat and certain things you can't eat and certain times of day and and whatnot. But okay, so this this lifestyle thing, creating a lifestyle that you will enjoy. And I want to get specific here and not be too broad because kind of we're making a broad sweep here. But when as I started looking at it personally, what kind of shifts can I make into a lifestyle I would enjoy? So as I was looking at foods and that I would enjoy that I could replace. So if I'm getting rid of carbs, 
you know, we're talking about eating in your book, you talk about eating a lot of plant based foods. So fruits and vegetables. And if I'm trying to get rid of carbs, which I love carbs, you know, there's some, and I was kind of surprised at how many of them I, I ate once I started looking closely at it, but what are the vegetables and the fruits and the, maybe the healthier carbs, the the more complex carbs that I could eat? Not how do I take all these things out, but what is it that I really like that I could replace the other ones with? So instead of having like a bowl of spaghetti for lunch, maybe I choose that I'm going to have sushi for lunch because it's, you know, it's got some healthier vegetables and some seaweed and stuff like that. And and the carbs are minimal, just, you know, a smaller amount of rice, but that's something I really like. So I can shift that out easy. And then I'm not depriving myself of something. I'm just replacing it with something else that's joyful and fun to me. That's a perfect example. I love that. And I always love the idea of rather than having this big long list of do's and don'ts, yeses and no's, can we just look at the yeses? Let's look and learn about the optimal nutrition. And I can, I can speak to that a little bit specifically today if you'd like. Um, and then how can we like just infuse more of that into our life in ways that we do enjoy? Like if you enjoy sushi, let's do that. And then to kind of crowd out the other stuff that you would like to see maybe kind of fall away, fall out of the picture. To speak a little more specifically of if not, you know, the next fad diet, or, you know, I mean, I could go down the the laundry list of all the different diets that are out there right now. I do suggest a, an approach where we focus on more whole food and less processed food and more plant-based food and less animal products. So what this might look like really is to think of it, if you can think of it from the five plant-based food groups, um, it's fruits and vegetables, but also whole grains and legumes or like beans and lentils, that sort of thing. Those are the four main ones. And then we've got a small uh, side of nuts and seeds, including some of that. We can get all the nutrition we need from plants. We can. If you want to go 100%, you can totally do that. It's not for everybody. And it's definitely not for everybody overnight, which is why I use words like more of this, less of that, which is a good way to kind of build and, and stair step into this. Well, and I think this same idea will transition away from food into activity now is as I was thinking about, I don't, I've always recreated outside. So my, my recreation wasn't in the gym, which is why, as I mentioned in the beginning, I have a hard time going to the gym, but it was riding bikes and it was hiking and it was snowshoeing and it was skiing and it, you know, it was paddling and it was that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And just over the last year, I've done less of that. And it just, as I started thinking about the things you'd written in the book about, I don't have to replace it with going to the gym a whole bunch. I get to replace it with things that I love doing that just create that activity for me. And that was like, yeah, I could do that. I could just, you know, plan more of the trips that I used to do and, and, you know, call my girlfriends to do more bike rides and, you know, that kind of thing that I like. So, to the listeners, one of the things I liked best about what she was doing was this realistic, slower approach to shifting away from things that aren't serving us and filling in with the things that we love. So creating a lifestyle that we still love. So replacing the not ideal foods with great recipes and other things that you love and turning to exercise types that 
appeal to you. Or I think in the book, you you talked about learning how to do something you'd always wanted to do. You'd wanted to learn how to cross country ski. And so you thought, well, I'll try that, you know, maybe that will work for me. And it did, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think the biggest problem in the health and fitness world is that we do get this idea that there is this perfect ideal that that being healthy and fit and active looks a certain way. It looks like going to the gym or it looks like running marathons or it looks like doing CrossFit, whatever it is. Like media does a really great job of, of kind of boxing us in, unfortunately. So can we kind of break the mold a little bit? And like you said, going back to, well, what do, what do I just enjoy doing? We have these amazing bodies we've been given. What do you like to do with it? That you can move, you can get your heart rate up. That's all that matters. When I, when I start working with a client that has been very sedentary, really has had no experience of having an active lifestyle, we just start with that. What do you enjoy? And more often than not, these people, they do love being in nature but they don't do much out there because they feel like they have to be in perfect shape to go do that. And like, let's throw that out the window. Let's say, you know, even if we are really overweight, even if we do have, you know, joint pain and and this or that, that maybe at first blush keeps us from going and having that active lifestyle. What if we just set that aside and said, you know what? I love being outside. I'm going to go for a walk. There are so many like accessible places that you could go on a gentle walk that's in the woods, gets you doing something that you love and you're moving. So start somewhere, right? Start somewhere, (laughs) just start. Mm -hmm. Well, and the idea of the trying something new that you haven't done that's interesting to you, you're not forcing yourself to do something that, like I'm not forcing myself to run because I don't want to run, but I am, you know, I can try like the cross country skiing that looked really interesting. And yeah, I want to, I want to try something and get out there and do something different, but that appeals to you. So there's that individualization. Very much. book, you talk about, is it worth it? You know, what belief in our minds needs to shift for each of us to put in the time and the effort, or maybe the expense that helps us to create the healthy lifestyle that each of us want on purpose. We're back to this intentionality. And do we have a thought that says we're not worth the money it might cost to to make one of those shifts, or we're not worth the time. There's other things that are more important than our health that we should be focused on. Um, tell us a little bit about that idea of, is it worth it? Are we worth it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the biggest mindset shifts that I find myself coaching on a lot with my clients is this inherent, very deeply rooted belief, especially for women, that they aren't allowed to take time, energy, or money for themselves. It's very much this like fear of selfishness and not ever wanting to look self-serving, you know? And so we coach a lot on this of, well, actually, if you're, if we are so, if we are so invested and interested in taking care of other people, well, don't they win too by us taking care of ourselves 
You know, uh, I like to say that self-care is one of the most selfless things that you can do. It's kind of that idea of um, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. (laughs) So as we take better care of ourselves, our families are going to benefit. Our spouses will benefit. Our friends, our coworkers, everybody we touch is going to benefit by us being in a slightly better, healthier place. Hey, and I want to shout out for all the people who haven't been there. I hear this all the time as if all women think they should serve other people. I always serve myself first. (laughs) That sounds super selfish, but the truth is we were reading this. I was reading out loud with my sister and she said, you've never had a problem thinking that you um, weren't worth investing in. You know, you Mm -hmm. always do what you want and, and make available funds or shifts or whatever you need to do to do the things that are important to you. And I feel zero apology about that. Like, I don't, I don't feel any guilt about it at all, but I think there are those of us out there that feel great taking care of ourselves. So. Absolutely. And I'm now one of those people. I, I was not always because I do think there's a lot of cultural conditioning around this, you know, the ideal woman is one that, you know, we could go down that list. Right. So (laughs) yeah, I mean, I, I was definitely in that category for a long, long time until I realized if I don't take care of myself, I'm going to be the worst mother ever. So back to kind of dealing with my grief, dealing with my neck and shoulder pain, I was a bear to live with because I was, I was in so much physical and emotional pain at that time in my life. And I had this sweet little toddler I had zero patience for him. And so me taking better care of me and figuring out, okay, what do I need to be able to show up in the way that I would like to for myself and for my little guy, you know? Which I think is just a really key thing to bring up. We all need to be in that space where we're healthy, where we're self-aware, where we know that we need a few things so that we can interact and and be kind to others and be, you know, have as much energy to be patient and kind and long suffering as we can. But that doesn't happen when we're stretched out and, and not taking care of self. So that's a great point. I want to jump right into one of the things that I liked best about it, which was talking about habits and shifting habits, because we really are habitual creatures, you know, and, and becoming aware of what habits we have around exercising or not exercising and also what mindsets, right? And then habits around what food we eat or what food we don't eat. I used to go to yoga every Thursday. And then after yoga, I would go pick up a sushi roll. That was a great habit. I liked that. And then we got, then they closed down and there was no yoga class and just kind of got out of that. But, you know, that was a, that was just a nice healthy moment and a good habit to reinstate. So just discuss habits with us. You, you've got a lot of insight on that. Yeah. Habits are really the key that is going to unlock the door to a lifestyle, right? And and it's the key to making changes sustainable, right? That's part of the problem with these white knuckle approach diets where it's just dive in head first, all or nothing, do it all right now, do it as perfectly as you possibly can. That doesn't create a habit it just creates stress. <laughs> and I love that idea of sustainability because that's right. It It's not going to become habitual or lifestyle if it's not something that you can maintain. And you're not exactly. going to maintain something that makes you miserable. You're just not. Humans it's don't true. do that. Humans don't do that. Humans by nature continue doing 
what they enjoy, which is why we started this discussion with what do you want to do? What do you like? What do you want to bring in? The thing that I understand about habits is that habits happen on a subconscious level. Habits is like when you hear the word habit from now on, like I, I hope that you'll think of brain chemistry. Okay. And this is like subconscious brain programming that is happening. So when you talk about a habit that you have or a habit that you would like, these are subconscious things, which means you cannot access it or control it with your conscious mind. It's why I have so many clients come and tell me, well, I know better. Why can't I do better? Well, it's because you haven't created a habit. So a habit will come as you study the pieces of a habit, which I teach very clearly in the book, we want to have a cue, a routine and a reward around this. Okay. And with repetition, we can reprogram that subconscious part of our brain that leads up to 40, sometimes depending on the research you look at, even up to 70, 80% of our behaviors are ruled by subconscious habits. So wouldn't it be great if we could get those on a healthy side and it just takes a little bit more awareness, a little more intention and a lot of repetition to create those new ones. Absolutely. To replace an ineffective habit with one that supports our desired result, what would you say is one tip to being able to do that? Hmm. Well, I'll give you an example. One of the biggest habits that I uh, coach on is emotional eating. Okay. So in this pattern, this, this habit loop idea, this is, this is taught by Charles Duhigg in his book, uh, The Power of Habit. We have a cue and the cue can be something physical. It can be something emotional. It can be a time of day, any trigger that kind of sets this in motion. So for emotional eating, there's an emotional trigger, right? Yeah. So you're, you're stressed out or you're lonely or you're bored. Okay. Whatever the emotional trigger is, the routine, the behavior itself is going and grabbing that bar of chocolate that's hiding in the drawer. Okay. And this has a reward. There's a reason that you did that subconsciously. It's because it helps you. If you're bored, it helps you have some fun. If you're lonely, it gives you a little bit of comfort. Okay. I have um, one. I have one I can share. I think okay. I have a morning habit where even in the summer, I feel like if I'm drinking a warm cup of chai tea, that I am in a cozy, safe, slowly waking up space. And that's comforting to me. And yeah. so every morning, even if I don't want my chai tea, like I'm like, mm, I don't know, I still go and get my chai tea because it feels warm and cozy. It's, I think it's a comfort. It's a perfect, comfort. It's perfect a drink. There you go. There you go. So yes, we can use this, this three part these three parts of a habit and we can kind of self-diagnose and say, okay, I eat chocolate when I'm bored because I need some fun in my life. So then the question becomes, what could I replace the chocolate with? We want to replace the behavior, replace the habit with something else that gets us the same payoff. Okay. Mm -hmm. If, if the craving is happening because we're bored and we need fun, well, what else could I do in these instances? That would be that fun. I think is fun. That I that think, I think is, fun, is right? fun. That's totally individualized. It's not that so it's supposed individual. to be fun or that will like get my mind somewhere else, but something that I think is fun. Exactly. Exactly. So I've had clients, you know, with this, with this exact habit loop, they'll try, okay, I had a client, she said, well, I have this show that I really love to watch and it's so fun to watch, but I never, I never let myself watch it. 
because I'm always, you know, taking care of this and taking care of that. So she has done this thing that in that time of day where she's most prone to emotional eat, she'll go and lock herself in the TV room and she'll watch her show. Even it's like, it feels so indulgent to her, Mm. but that's perfect. That's what we want, right? What were you doing with the chocolate? You were being indulgent. Okay. Can we do that? in a slightly more healthy, supportive way, there's absolutely nothing wrong with your going downstairs and watching one episode, you know? Right. Um, other, for me, it's calling a friend or, you know, calling my mom, like someone that just always makes me laugh that I can just connect with. That's fun for me to just connect socially, picking up the phone. So there's an example. As we end here, let's talk about mindset. Thoughts create our feelings, feelings create actions, actions create our habits that we're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. So what do we need to consider as we explore the limiting beliefs we have around creating healthy lifestyles? So I address a few starter mindsets to pay attention to in the book. And one of them is so pervasive in in our culture, especially with diet culture. It's what researchers would call a fixed mindset. You can also look at it as perfectionism. Okay. Again, something we are very plagued with in our culture and in our society today. If you want to leave kind of the dieting roller coaster behind and you want to lean into this lifestyle approach to health and wellness, mindset number one to address is perfectionism. If you, if you have ever said, oh, I'm just this, I I am an all or nothing type of person. I can't do, I, you know, I can't even have a bite of this or else I'll just eat the whole, I'll eat the whole pan or, you know, all of these things that it's really all or nothing. It's black or white. The more we can embrace what we would call a growth mindset instead of a fixed mindset. Carol Dweck is a fantastic author and researcher that has, that has addressed this. We want to look at our life, our health, our lifestyle from a perspective of it's on a, it's on a spectrum. We're growing, we're learning, we're constantly making adjustments as opposed to the way a perfectionist looks at things, which is it is, or it isn't. I'm good or I'm bad. I'm a success or I'm a failure. And it's like final judgment. There's no, there's no mercy. There's no growth. There's no leeway. You know, I did like that in your book, this idea, which is back to the turtle visual, which was, we are constantly making changes. And so we're going to constantly keep shifting toward the lifestyle we want and constantly keep, you know, making little little tweaks here and there as we move toward it and as we can do more and more and more, but we keep tweaking it with things we like and getting rid of and pushing out of the things that we don't like because we're replacing replacing with things we do like. And pretty soon we've got an ideal lifestyle that we love, but I loved the realistic way that you listed it in the book and that you talked about it, which was, you know, it's choice by choice. It's decision by decision. It's, it's tweaking this. And then if it doesn't work or if it does work, then you, you know, you shift again. Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the ways to think about this, there's a, there's a graphic that's in my book and this comes from uh, Dr. John Travis. It's called the illness wellness continuum. It posits that health and wellness is a spectrum and illness is on one side and wellness is on the other. And there are distinct places you can be on this line, on the spectrum, but what's important, what's more important than where you are on the spectrum is which way you're facing 
And what you just described, this ongoing checking in with ourselves, making adjustments, making choices, bringing in things that we enjoy, that is an active, intentional way of facing toward wellness. And if if you can just wake up every day and just decide, I'm going to face toward wellness, then, then you will be that wonderful, beautiful turtle, just building this layer by layer. When people want to find you, if they want your support in helping create their best healthy lifestyle and getting it on track, you have two things. First of all, you are this um, national board certified health and wellness coach. And then you've got the book, If Diets Don't Work, What Does? A Doable, Enjoyable Guide to Living the Life You Want. So where can we find the book and where do they go to find you if they would like to get your help with some coaching? Absolutely. Well, a a gift I would love to offer anyone that's listening, if they want to shoot me an email to hello at daniellediinkleman.com, I will send you a blueprint workbook that will help you actually create a framework for yourself. It's like creating your own program with all these principles we've been talking about today. Shoot me an email, say, hey, I want the blueprint workbook. would be happy to send that to anyone that wants to take a look at that. Thank you. And I will have that in the show notes on loveyourstorypodcast.com for this show. There's always show notes for each of the shows. So I will have those links for you there too. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Send me an email. Um, to just learn more about my coaching practice, they can go to daniellelinkleman.com. There is a tab there to click on uh, uh, to learn more about the book. And that will take you over to if diets don't work, what does.com. You can learn more about that. It is available on Amazon and Kindle, and it is a self-coaching guide. So if you're not even really sure what coaching would be like, or if you want or need a coach, the book is a fantastic resource to start with and to just learn these principles and practice them for yourself. Cool. And the way you spell her name is D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E. And then Dinkelman is D-I-N-K-E-L-M-A-N. You got it. All right. Any last tip or trick, or maybe I should ask, what's the favorite thing that you do when you're helping and coaching others into their healthiest lifestyle? My favorite thing, my payoff as a coach is when I get to hear my clients share their reflection as they kind of reflect on the last week or the last month, or, you know, as we get like six, 12 weeks into our coaching programs, I have them reflect on that whole span of time. And it's so incredibly rewarding to me to hear them recount how they used to feel compared with how they feel now. And it's more about, I have the energy, I have the motivation, my brain fog is gone, my knees don't hurt anymore, inflammation is clearing up in their body. And to hear that all of that is happening without them having this tunnel vision, myopic approach to the number on the scale and that they've done it in a joyful way and that it's been realistic and doable. It hasn't been heavy or overwhelming. There's nothing more rewarding than me, like having that moment where they believe, (laughs) where they see that, oh, I can do this. I can create more health but I, I don't have to do it the way that I had always done it before with the dieting stuff. So that's absolutely rewarding. Thanks for being here, Danielle. We appreciate you talking to us and helping us get this grasp on intentionally um, creating the healthy lifestyle we want. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Lori. I think living your best life on purpose definitely includes taking care of your body. It is the case 
that houses our spirits. And when we feel good, we rock things. Feeling good is important. And the greatest chance of creating a lifestyle that's healthy is to have realistic expectations and to create habits that we individually are excited about. I'm very clear on that. So fun habits, eating what serves you rather than what feels like handcuffs. There are good foods we like and exercises and movements that we are more drawn to than others. We can use these things to create a healthy lifestyle that serves each one of us individually. So your challenge for this week is to take a look at the habits that you have around food or exercise and see if they need to be replaced and then consider a healthy food or a movement that you would really enjoy that it would be fun to create a new habit around. It's a great place to start. So start considering it this week. And if you need help, you can call Danielle. Again, her contact information is in the show notes on the website. Share this episode with someone, anyone, friends, family that you think that it would serve. And thank you for being here. Live your best life on purpose. Create the habits that serve you. And I will see you in two weeks for the next show.